previously on Fantastic Worlds Podcast. My gods be blessed. She is alive and well. Lady Argentea, we are so grateful to see you return. Either be my friend and we can hang out, we can drink together and not talk about feelings, or we can do more than be friends, we can hang out with less clothing on, and we can still not talk about feelings. Make this work in our own way. And I kiss her. (laughs) Yes, after she sits up and yells, my carriage, as her first thought. (laughs) Oh, uh, certainly. We never intended to steal anything. It was simply an adoption. I can tell you are a lover of games. Maybe wager your carriage. This has tripped all of Pippa's weaknesses. Manette literally gasps. She's like, I can't believe. All you have to do is just step off of the beaten path and there lies the jewel of Galarian. So the true closing words, uh, he'd he'd shift back and he'd let out like a a last kind of like a wolf howl, kind of like a communication back to the she-wolf and the pups, kind of like a toodaloo. Do you uh, join him, Manette? I do. I try my best. Uh, Lady Yona goes, so it's settled. At morning, you will put a stop to this cold. This is Kay bringing you another fantastic intro where I get the opportunity to talk to you guys about whatever I want, but today instead we are going to talk about um, the podcast and not about my cat or what other random things I can think of. So today, in today's episode, we get to really kind of keep digging down into the role-playing, which is my favorite part of the game because you kind of get to get more backstory, kind of get to know the characters a little more outside of combat, get a better feel for personalities, and so on and so forth. Today, we kind of get to talk about Dessa's religious background. For those of you who do not know, she is a pretty big follower of Caden uh, Callian which Dustin would like to point out that he does mispronounce it, but we love him anyway, and he does a really good job typically getting all of the names right, which, let's be real, there are a lot of names in this game, so I think we can kind of give him a break on this one. So, yeah, we kind of get to talk about a little bit more of Adessa's religious background, Um, A little bit about Pippa and her stuff, which is always really exciting because I am a huge fan of Pippa. I'm also a huge fan of Manette and Abraxas too, but I think deep down I kind of have a crush on Pippa, which is going to happen. Anyway, um, back to the long and short of it. I think it's going to be a really good episode. I really enjoyed recording it and just in general, really enjoy being able to get kind of deeper into the RP aspects of the game. 
I also would like to point out that we have officially opened a merch shop, which I'm super excited about. I am planning on buying a hoodie because Dustin created the perfect hoodie for me. It says Roll for Babes with a D20 on it, and it is in classic Barbie font, and it's like a pastel pink, which is everything I've ever needed in my life. There are other really cool things. The other character um, sigils are on the website as well. You can get them on t-shirts, sweatpants, hoodies, all sorts of crazy stuff. But the link is on our website if any of you are interested. And without any further ado, I bring you episode eight, Glazed and Confused. Any of you have those days? I like to call them back to school days, even though I have not had one of those in a very long time. You know, those moments where you are about to hunker down for a new stage in your life, you know, maybe you get all your new school supplies and I have my new Sailor Moon binder. You, yeah, exactly. You have your new star. What, what, is, what is that lady that does the rainbowy folders? Lisa the, Frank. Oh, Lisa, Lisa Frank. Frank. All my Lisa, Lisa Frank items. Uh, everything, everything I had way like i want to say it ended in grade school oh lisa Frank i want pops to pops off though no matter what age legitimately i still own things that i take to grad school yes un- unironically <laughs> you know you have your bewitch cd and your walkman mm-hmm. you have your <laughs> mm-hmm, for real um you know, there's some other great examples of this, you know, starting a new job or any major change in your life. There's always that day before where you're kind of refocusing, mentally preparing, and there's some, there's some excitement happening. At the same time, there's a little bit of fear because you don't know what's going to happen. You kind of get that mixture of everything happening all at once. I can't be the only one person that feels that way, right? I always felt that. I was always like, ooh, I'm going to look so cute at school, my new outfits, my new me. <laughs> I started a new job back in May and that was like my first day of my new job was like, okay, do I have all my supplies? Do I have my outfit picked out? Are they going to think I'm cute? What if the other kids are mean to me? I have to look good Had in my bad picture. feeling. Yep. <laughs> back when I ran training programs, our classes run anywhere from like one day to 14 days. So it would always reset because then you'd finish one set of class and it restarts. And it doesn't matter how many times you've done that class. It's like... That first day, you're like, what kind of group am I going to get? And then usually a week into it, you're just like, you don't care about your new supplies. You're like, ah, I have to be here. And everything kind of goes back to normal. But that first day before is almost in many ways special. Yeah, you're not Mm -hmm. as greasy as you later become. I mean, you're just greasy every day after that. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> my first day at my job job where i you know am actually a professional that does job, professional job. things job, <laughs> my job 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 i like was like all right i'm gonna pick out this really nice outfit i'm gonna do all of these things and like i wasn't actually going out to work with any clients or anything i was just going into the office to do like all the orientation stuff so i wore like officey nice mm-hmm. clothes i show up and my regional director is wearing a cut up stranger thing shirt and she's like <laughs> eating some cake and she's like you look nice and i'm just like i clearly overdressed to be in the office today oh my god i had the exact same experience like everybody was wearing like button downs and like flip-flops and bad shorts and i was Uh like wearing like a pencil skirt and my cute Mm -hmm. little blouse and a blazer and i was just was too much i hate being a front office person because i'm always expected to be on point and then i see people in r&d in like shitty 90 like 90 year old sweatpants and like a big (laughs) t-shirt I'm like, fuck you, go to the lab and die. 
<laughs> I'm so uncomfortable and sweaty. But the point is, yes, that that happy, good, anxious feeling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I imagine that is how all of your characters are feeling as the council meeting finishes. Everyone begins to disperse, slowly you all making your way back to the Plot and Hook Tavern. It's still early evening, so you all find yourself sitting around a table at a bar. The room, however, is uncharacteristically quiet for a summer's evening. The cold air has begun to chill most down to the bone, and I think the fear of what's going on is also seeming to have the same effect. I imagine you are all drowning your sorrows in your drink of choice when they appear. A rowdy group of Varisians, full of life and excitement. Their merriment pierces the silence of the room, drawing attention to, of everyone, and of course, more than a few snarls. The Varisians are used to these looks. It doesn't even phase them. They put some coin on the bar in exchange or given a few flagons of mead. They sit around the table, continuing to laugh, have fun, and enjoy the night. After a while, one of the Varisians stands up. Manette, you know this gentleman. A bard named Big Felix which has always confounded you because his frame is exceedingly slender as well as short. Felix slams his hands down on the table in dramatic fashion, climbs onto a nearby chair, quickly sticks out his hand, and snaps his finger. A friend nods and reaches into a bag, and you see an ornate and beautiful fiddle pulled out. In quick procession, another friend hands him his bow. The crowd of drinkers look up to him. Felix slowly pulls the bow across the tightly strung strings and combined with the hollow wooden frame, vibrates to produce an elegant sound. The silence is once again punctured with a tune that is as somber, almost as if it was created to reflect the mood of the room. At first, the crowd just turns back to their drinks and continues to wallow in sorrow. But then, unlike a virus, the crowd begins to be infected. The listeners begin to sway to the rhythm, captivated by the music. You begin to hear the tapping of a foot. Then two. Then five. Soon everyone begins to tap their feet. It's almost like it's fulfilling the need of a rhythmic bass missing from the song. The somber melody picks up, and soon the room is awash with an upbeat melody, and the somber faces begin to smile. Felix's bravado is just getting started. He begins to pick up the pace even more, and in a flash, an electrical charge courses through the room. It almost feels magical. The crowd begins clapping, humming, laughing, and then finally, some even begin to dance. Nobody even notices that Felix has long since stopped playing, but the music seems to continue. Everyone is having a good time. Even you, a group of adventurers who have been traumatized, put in danger, and have faced death in the bitter, bitter cold, seem to be smiling again. Pippa, you see Euonia at the door. She whispers something to the bar wench, and minutes later, wine and mead and healthy portions of food appear at your table. Soon after, Felix and his friends begin to depart. As Felix exits the door, Eonia smiles, gives him a hug, and passes him a small bag of gold. Almost as quickly as she arrives, Eonia leaves. You are all sitting at the table, your morale somewhat restored. What are you all thinking about? Manette is thinking about what the future holds for her, because... Until now, she has done nothing but travel with this Varisian caravan. And even though for several years she's been thinking, like, I haven't been fulfilling my duty as a paladin, and I don't think I'm ever going to find my destiny with this caravan, she's, like, very much convinced that Kepri has led her to this group of people she's now sitting with, which is why she hasn't left with her Varisian companions, because she knows Big Felix, and... She's, you know, normally she would be walking out with them like, oh, well, right on with you guys. Off we go wherever we're going next. But she's starting to feel like it's time to 
let go. Odessa's probably just sitting there, people watching, probably trying to get a feel on what's going on, drinking, definitely drinking something. She's been through some shit. She's probably side-eyeing Manette because she startled her the other day by smooching her on the lips and she's just kind of like is she gonna do that again do i need to be watching do i need to be on guard don't know how i felt about that because feelings are for suckers (laughs) so instead she's just casually existing and thinking about life and probably sitting across the table from the net because I think next to it would be too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag too soon. <laughs> Hashtag too soon. <laughs> Hashtag not sure if too soon. <laughs> Abraxas is... You know what? He's he's thinking about heading home. I mean, he's been away for a while. It is that jitters of sweet home, the mountains, the snow, all the stuff that he loves, but also now it's basically tainted with danger and there's a evil afoot. So there's that going on, but he's definitely, he's got that kind of like, maybe his leg is uh, doing that little Jimmy leg thing under the table where he's like excited. And even if he's not like aware of it, that, that his leg's doing that, he'd like basically catch himself. Like if it's hitting the table, it's like, oh, I got to chill out. I got to chill out. And then maybe he takes the map out uh, because at the same time he's excited about traveling. It's dangerous. And now there's a group of people that, you know, he's he's the wilderness guy. He feels responsible to keep everybody safe. So I think while he's eating and drinking, because of course he needs a full belly to, you know, be at his best. While he's at the (laughs) table, you know, enjoying the music, he still has that map out. And he's, you know, looking, surveying the, surveying the map. Braxis needs that meat. (laughs) <laughs> ah shit, I got bacon grease on this mat. Darn it. Pippa's pulling out a handkerchief and like handing it over to him, just like just kind of wiping, like showing him how to wipe his hands. We're sharing a big beef tank. Just a bunch of meat. Oh yeah. I'm just digging it and we're both digging in like Oh dogs. yeah. Like when you see two dogs eating the same <laughs> oh, then he's like super comfortable then. Pip is just very pointedly laying out handkerchiefs on the table. <laughs> I love that our party is like, the, there's the prim and pro- proper people. And then there's the, I don't, I'm like savage. I'll eat anything. We don't give a shit. I feel like Odessa kind of falls in the middle. She's grew up very prim and proper and still pretty much follows that. At the same time, if there isn't a fork present, she will eat with her fingers. It's not like she carries one with her. Well, Minette is half and half. She grew up in a different culture, and so what is culturally acceptable in this group is different than what she's used to. And also, she's a paladin, so there's like a certain level of cleanliness and stuff she, you know, is expected to have. And even if she's not a normal paladin, you know, she'll very Mm -hmm. much keep herself clean and and put together. It's not so much a lack of like a being prim and proper, but I almost kind of see it on Pippa's part as like, I mean, in addition to just kind of her general sense of manners. It's a very tender kind of go. Oh, I'm gonna clean up my, I'm gonna clean up my friends and my little wolf baby. And <laughs> no, wolf baby. <laughs> and for her part, in between, like kind of trying to tidy Abraxas up a little bit, and she's just kind of looking around at her companions and sipping her mead, and I don't know, thinking about why she agreed to go on this adventure. This this last brush at the lodge really didn't leave her in a great place. She's really shook. She's never experienced 
anything like it before. She's she's pretty sure she never wants to experience anything remotely like it again, but she, she agreed to go, in part because she's insatiably curious. On one hand, she really wants to know what caused this sudden winter and to get to the bottom of it. She's a good person. She wants to protect these people. These people are in danger. Something horribly unnatural is happening, and she's in a position to make that go away. And then uh, she's also thinking a lot about her mother, who traveled in Irisen and was always really cagey about what happened there and what she found there. And what, and she's just curious to know what she'll discover about uh, about her family and about herself. And she's just also just, you know, the music has soothed her. She's, she's less terrified than she was. Um, she's kind of ready to get started. It's almost like it was inspired by courage. Oh, oh. almost. Is that a trait of yours? (laughs) Uh, Good old bards. Bards, by the way, for our listening audience, is my favorite class. As the moon in the sky and the darkness of the night gets darker, I imagine each of you turn in one at a time. Finally, you see a nearly empty tavern. Except there, still at the bar is Odessa, another drink in hand. She stares deeply into the drink, and the reflection turns back a vision of Odessa with a horribly scarred and mangled face. I find beer has a wide variety of uses over time. But you, my dear, have found one of its rarer truths. It can, if you let it, show inner truth over outer beauty. Odessa looks over to see a tall, roguish-looking man wearing glistening chainmail, a rapier at his side, and is holding a very large tankard of drink. She's just like, you look... Familiar? He's... (laughs) He laughs. He smiles at you like a Cheshire cat. You have a wounded soul. It's no wonder you sink the drink more than most. However, drink is not made for hiding pain. It's made to celebrate life. That is not a great way to honor such a stout beverage. I'm sorry. Um... I've had a lot to drink this evening, and you look familiar but I can't put my finger on it. We've met, right? Uh, you could call me Padre. Padre Kaladin. Odessa literally just was holding her drink, and then it was not in her hands anymore, and it is now on the floor. That makes me sad. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, what did you say your name was? My name is Padre. Padre Kaladin. But that last bit, that seems important. <laughs> Well, I'd hope so. You've been a faithful follower of me for a very long time. She's really caught off guard right now because he's never shown up for her before. She's definitely been, as he said, a very loyal worshiper. She loves the idea that he basically was this normal fucking guy that was like, I'm gonna be a god and was super (laughs) drunk, doesn't remember how it happened, and then was one. Just call me Padre Caden. So, Padre, uh, <clears throat> what what uh what brings you here? First off, we need to fix some things. He kind of goes, <clears throat> and all of a sudden, somebody just comes up out of nowhere and hands you a drink. Oh, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> you are somebody who has been a faithful servant of freedom and bravery. I think it's time, though, you need to shed your burdens, at least in tribute to drink. Drink is not made to hide your pain. Drink is made to celebrate life. You have some people in your life now that are going to be the ones that are going to help you get through that. But you have to trust them. 
See, you make it sound so easy, <laughs> but it hasn't proved to be easy in the past. So while I hear what you're saying, I'm just not following because I'm not really sure how to go about doing that. Plus, I've known these people for like some for two months, some for one month, uh, one for like three days. And now you're like, you should trust these people with your feelings and your life. And I don't trust anybody with any of those things. Well, I understand that. And I'm going to make it a little easier for you. Why don't you take a sip? I'm nervous to drink this. I don't know what you did to it. And now I'm scared. <laughs> it will make it easier. He reaches over the bar and pulls out a bottle that's sealed and hands it to you. Why don't you take a sip? All right. So she like pops it open, does the whole thing and takes a sip. It tastes incredibly sour and disgusting. I do not like people of the faith who use the sacred drink for that of hiding. Until you resolve your difficulties, alcohol is no longer beneficial for you. And at this point, you need to wake up. You wake up in a small closet, or at least that was its intended use. <laughs> she sure does. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, you put her in a closet. She's been out of that damn closet for so damn long. And you put her back in one. <laughs> not that kind that's, of closet. This is an actual literal closet. Not a closet. <laughs> You make it so she can't drink, and then you shove her back in a closet, Dustin. <laughs> She's going to have to come out to everybody again. <laughs> wow. Way to be the patriarchy, Dustin. Yikes. <laughs> Can she just stand up on a bar and kiss a girl? <laughs> this one has been repurposed, though. It is not a closet. A cupboard, oh, I guess. Come out of the cupboard. Oh, so now I'm You Harry know how Potter. many gay people this... are on this podcast? At least three. <laughs> and then there's the unicorn our special unicorn spaghetti player <laughs> and then there's the spaghetti player <laughs> it's fine Abby we all know I won't deny things I won't deny it <laughs> this one has been repurposed into a small church for Caden Callion your entire body aches with a hangover. And then the door opens and a bartender, for whom earlier introduced himself as Giuseppe, exclaims, Lass, this is not a place to get a good night's sleep. You have a room just up the stairs. Why don't I help you get there? Yeah, all right, fine. How did I... Oh, God. How did I end up in this small space that isn't a closet? Because I would never go back in one of those. You got pretty drunk. But, you know, that's fine. Why don't you go up and I'll get you some uh, hair of the dog to kind of help you work through this. Uh, as you're getting up, he hands you a, not like a full tank or just like a little like sample cup of alcohol. She like kind of sort of remembers something about this. Not enough to stop her from drinking it. I feel like something bad is going to happen, but... I don't know what it is. So, like, as she's thinking about it, she takes the sip of the beer. You take the sip, you immediately throw up. <gasps> oh. Oh, there it is. Yep. <laughs> oh, I remember this now. Oh, what fresh hell is this? <laughs> okay, well, let's get you to your room. And she's just going to keep doing that thing where she's like, no, no, I'm fine. I can do it myself. Stop it. I can do it myself. I am not a child. As you go up the stairs, you trip on the stairs and fall up on your face. And she's still like face down on the ground like, I don't need your help. Just crawling, <laughs> just wriggling. <laughs> so Odessa slowly crawls towards her bedroom and, and tries to get at least a little bit more sleep throughout the night. As you fall asleep, 
Pippa's eyes start to open. Pippa, golden light shines through your window and upon you. It's golden hour. That special time just before the sun peeks out from behind the hills, but is up just enough to bathe everything in a bright golden light. What's on Pippa's mind? She's decided to seek out Lady Argentea this morning for a couple reasons. One, she's uh, got something to give back to her. And then she's also something kind of fundamentally broken her a little, changed a little in her with these two near-death moments that she had fighting with those kinds of creatures, how worried she's become about her companions and how much she's come to care about them too and needing to kind of go with them as kind of an element of of why she's agreed to go on this mission. But there's just a, a piece of her that just really needs Argentea to have changed too. So I think Pippa is going to get out of bed and she's going to start preparing for her day, which is a very carefully orchestrated ritual for her. A part of who she is and how she manages to swindle nobles so effectively is maintaining a very careful presentation towards them. So probably going to like quaff her hair first, get every hair in absolute perfect place. Uh, She has this special comb that used to belong to her mother that she's really attached to that she wears every day. It's a kind of an old ivory thing and it's got five white diamonds inset into the crown of it. So she's going to go ahead and do her hair up in a, like a cute little cute little bun with some braids, pop that comb in. Going to carefully apply some makeup because she's very aware that she's you know, she's she's short. She's a halfling. She looks an awful lot like a child to a lot of the human nobles that she deals with. So she makes sure to do her makeup in such a way that makes her look very adult. She's adulting it up. She's adulting it up at 35. <laughs> But she also likes to play into a little bit of humans thinking of her as adorable and childlike. So while she has this very womanly face, uh, she usually goes for dresses that are are frilly and a little adorable, just also because she likes that stuff. She really wants to try out that new chain shirt she won off of Manette's former caravan leader. So she's going to go ahead and put that on. And how does that work? Does she just like visualize what she wants it to look like? So I I imagine that she would come up with a picture in her head about what it looks like. And then it would just change into that. So what do you think? So you're thinking kind of like a frilly looking poofy dress? Not poofy. But I'm definitely thinking like, because this is like, you know, it's fantasy medieval stuff. So I'm thinking something with long drapey sleeves, definitely some kind of chiffon fabric. It's winter now. Never mind. It's velvet. The dress is velvet. So it's a long velvet dress, long drapey sleeves belted in the middle. It's also got lace detailing and stuff like that. It's very girly. So I imagine it's very Dickens too. It's a little Dickens. I, it could be a little Dickens. Dickens had tight sleeves, but no, but like, I'm thinking more, much more medieval here. Like a combination of Ren Fair meets Charles Dickens? Yes, there we go. Nailed it. Okay, and what color do you think she would choose for this dress? I think today she is going to go for a nice dark blue. I think you close your eyes and you imagine this dress, what you want it to look like in the the glamour chainmail glows a little bit and it kind of kind of is almost iridescent for a second. The sleeves start to form down your arms and the dress poofs up and down to, to around your ankles. There's just one problem. It's orange. Ew. No, absolutely not. That is unacceptable. Okay, so now what Pippa's... Pippa's sure that this is just... This is some kind of horrible mistake. She's gonna wrinkle her nose in absolute disgust and then concentrate again and revisualize the dress and so now she's like those fairies in sleeping beauty like going like blue blue 
It's blue. <laughs> it starts to fade into blue and then it goes, slams back into orange. <laughs> because this is a very sensible dress, because we all know in, in Galarian, all dresses are sensible. There are actually pockets. Yay! When you reach into the pocket, you pull out a note from Alinda that says, I can fix this for a price. How does Alinda know that Pippa hates orange? As you and Manette were walking to meet Alinda, you were having a conversation about clothing. And in that, there was a conversation about how much you hate the color orange. Being as the caravan or as a group of social-minded people and that and rumors spread quickly, maybe it got back to Alinda a little quicker than, than you would think. I'll accept it. I don't accept the orange at all. <laughs> we, we'll make sure we get that fixed before uh, you go back out into the, the wild. Pippa is very upset. She literally shrieks with horror, rips it off, throws it with the rest of her gear, and just puts on one of her normal dresses. Absolutely not. <laughs> that is understandable. <laughs> From there, you're going to go downstairs to talk to the innkeeper, right? That is the plan. She figured that Argentea is staying at this inn, too, because it's the nicest one available, which spare no expense to borrow from my favorite park owner ever. Does the innkeeper know? The innkeeper said that she actually left about 15 minutes ago. Argentea mentioned something about going to watch the sunrise, um, and he directed her towards a nice area where there's a bench that's secluded out just outside of town. Yep, she heads there. Then so you go out, and it's it's a little bit of a distance. I'd say, you know, like a five, ten minute walk, and you see this tall, redheaded woman sitting at a bench there by herself, there's a thin layer of snow, so you see this little trail of where she walked, and you see the breath coming out of her mouth, even from a distance back, expelling the warm air, has adding some visibility to her breath. So Pippa approaches her. Lady Argentea, I'm, I'm sorry to intrude, uh, but I believe this belongs to you. And she holds out uh, Argentea's signet ring. Oh, thank you. This actually is very special to me. I really appreciate you bringing it back. I did not think that I would see it again. She stares back into the sun. She's kind of withdrawn, which is weird because when you saved her from the basement, uh, the High Sentinel Lodge, and even at the council meeting, she was very assured of herself, very, just very forward and straight. And here she seems kind of, I guess the word that comes to mind is fragile. Pippa's going to sit down, or I guess not sit down. She's going to hop up onto the bench next to her and uh, ask her, I know you've been through an ordeal. And I won't ask you to relive it twice. Callistria knows I don't want to. Uh, but I do have a few questions for you, if you don't mind. I'd be happy to help. Uh, why do you think you were targeted? I don't think it was something that was planned. I could tell Roker was nothing more than a lapdog for the Fae. I think I just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. I had just ended a relationship and was heading back here earlier than what was to be expected. I got the impression that Roker was kind of showing the Fae around the neighborhood, so to speak. And I just happened to arrive and they took advantage of that. So what do you think they wanted from you? Roker told me that if it wasn't for the Fae, I would have been dead quickly. The Fae wanted me alive. My guess is good as yours, but royalty can be used as pawns in any kind of scheme. I imagine it was something to cause harm to my family or to the country. Did you find out anything about who Rokar was, where he's from, what he was doing there? Rokar, in her voice, gets very stern. Just a worthless, spineless bandit. The reason he was still alive is because he convinced the Fae that he could be a use to him and a faithful servant. I heard one of the guards talking, and basically they were overwhelmed by the Fae, and it was either be subservient to them or 
die. Being the worthless little runt he is, he just went along with it. Uh, I have a feeling, though, he was conspiring the whole time to figure out how he's going to get through that. But we don't have to worry about that now, do we? I suppose not. So he was just a local bandit? Just a local bandit. Well, that's disappointing. You know, and you only told me the most interesting story. Apparently, you're a princess? Oh! <laughs> she wasn't supposed to tell anybody. <laughs> oh, I've been, I've been trying to keep my presence here under wraps. You oh, understand. why? Oh, well, you know, I'm I'm from Erisan. I've I've been I've been I've, my people are under uh abs, uh, under an attack. Uh they're very oppressed and I've been I've been traveling the lands trying to find a way to help them, but it looks like the evil people in charge have gotten here first. So I'd really appreciate it if you didn't tell anybody. I understand discretion is necessary for types like us. I am incredibly thankful for all your help. Is there anything I can do to help you? Pip was a little bit stunned at this point because that was not her best pitch. She was completely taken off guard. That was a bumbling idiot speech that she just gave that this person apparently completely bought. The long con. (laughs) (laughs) Roll me a perception check, Pippa. Uh, That would be an uh, 18. You look into her eyes and there's this glazed over look. And in fact, you have this flashback. You playing in your dad's tavern and him there basically trying to upsell these people who just recently got married. And he's like selling them all the stuff. He, They're upgrading their in package. They're upgrading their wine and their food. And that same glazed over look appears in them. They're just agreeing to everything. And, I, you're, and you know, you're remembering the scene and going... How can they even afford this? And they probably put it on the Galarian version of a Discover card. Visa, it's everywhere you want to be, including Galarian. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And you're just kind of shocked by that. And so you come back to the scene and you're seeing that same exact look. She is just captivated by you. You realize you probably could tell her anything and she would listen. She's definitely going to have to think more about other incidents with her father where similar things have happened. She's a little thrown. Anything I can do to help, I'm glad to be of service. And she smiles. Oh, Pip is so tempted to ask her for so much money and all of the best equipment. Said she's going to say, we both survived an ordeal. And I hope that the experience doesn't all come out in the wash for either of us. A storm's coming. These people are going to need you strong and sympathetic and helpful. You need to help them in whatever way you can. If that's money, if that's food, if that's shelter, if that's raising an army and getting one down here immediately, then that's what you gotta do. You you all of a sudden see the glazed over look disappear and she's like, right, we need to get to action. And she takes off. She is going to take charge. And she thanks you for your time. Thank you so much for your guidance. Us royalty needs to stick together. And she pulls off this purse and hands it to you. I hope this helps. I would give more, but I think it needs to help my people more. I hope you understand. She has just given you 500 gold pieces. Yeah, if, uh, if Pippa ever tells me about this interaction, I'm much more impressed with Lady Argentea because... If she's using the rest of that money to help her people, I'm more than happy. And uh, she heads off, presumably <laughs> to go help her people. Pippa's just going to sit there and finish watching the sunrise with her mouth wide open, weighing that bag of gold back and forth in her hand and just 
what the fuck? <laughs> I think after a time, you all kind of gather up early in the morning in the Plot and Hook Tavern. And, you know, uh, I think all of you expect to see Pippa and Abraxas and Odessa together. But Minette's there, too. Are we eating breakfast? You are, of course, eating breakfast. Well, that's a given. I mean. <laughs> Do we? Odessa has ordered beer. <laughs> and a bucket. <laughs> and a bucket. <laughs> She's so stubborn. <laughs> As we're having morning conversation, Braxis, how'd you sleep last night? Oh, it was great. I was exhausted. I, I didn't realize until, uh, man, I hit the floor. I mean, the bed. I slept <laughs> on the bed. I don't sleep <laughs> on the floor at all. Uh, I was out. How about you, uh, Odessa? You look a little uh, green in the gills. I, and she's going to take like a really deep breath and just be like, I had a weird night. You smell like vomit. You know? I didn't want to say anything. I'm working on resolving that right now. So how was the bucket going to help? I had a weird night, guys. And then she's like, Thinking to herself, maybe that was enough. And she takes a drink, and it's still, I'm assuming. (laughs) And she throws up again, and she's like, oh, God, this is going to be really hard, guys. Manette pats her on the back. Nope, you don't even understand. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Manette is patting her on the back while she's puking. I like, uh, Braxis takes your drink and smells it. It's like, he takes a little lap. Yeah, I think, okay, this is is fine, I think. It's good. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. Okay. It's good. This is good. Well, I take a sip too. I'm like, oh yeah, it's good. <laughs> and I'm just like looking at all of you, like I will kill you. <laughs> I will drown you in an own in your own tears. You see one of the tavern, the people at the tavern go, "Oh Lord, are you pregnant? That's the same kind of sickness I got when I was pregnant. <laughs> Congratulations, girl. Let me tell you about that. How that is just not how anatomy works." And just, like, dead-eyes her and then just hope she goes away because she doesn't want to explain this to her. (laughs) Anyway. The lady's like, oh, and walks away. (laughs) Anyway, before I was very rudely interrupted by more than one person. (laughs) Sorry. I had this um, experience and... uh, Did Sam Pippi stop by? (laughs) Did you eat some weird mushrooms? I've done that before. You know, I I wish that is what is happening to me right now. No. So last night, I was minding my own business. I was being my own person. I was doing what I do every other night of my life, whereas I get like almost blackout drunk before I go to bed, right? That's what you do. That is what you you do. do. Yes. As you do. (laughs) As one does. Anyway, so I was sitting there finding my own business. I was staring down into my drink. Some shit happened. I'm pretty sure I saw God. And he told me that if I was not more, and she just kind of like clenches her fist and like, is like, "Mm, okay, this is fine. I can do this. And Jim's like patting her on the back and patting her on the head. And she's like, not now, Jim. He told me that if I wasn't more, I don't know, like in tune with my feelings, I wasn't ever going to be able to drink beer again. Or any alcohol ever. So my options here are I either become more in tune with my feelings or I turn to hard drugs. Mm, I would leave your god. Listen, I know of a better god. Have you heard of Capri? Have you heard the good news? (laughs) 
Oh, oh God. Okay, real question. An awesome God, he reigns <laughs> in heaven above. <laughs> Will your God bully my God into giving me beer back? I mean, maybe. He's pretty powerful. <laughs> Takes another sip of the beer to see if it is mm. less garbage. This sip actually goes good, but you immediately go to take another sip and you throw it up. Damn it. Damn, that's cold. That's even worse. It's like, hey, yeah, trick sip. This one's cool, but <laughs> Okay, so you know when somebody's in anime is like really upset and they're sitting there and there's like the like squiggle lines down their face and they're like hunched over and there's like that dark cloud behind them and it's like the misery position yep. in anime. Yeah. That's what she looks like right now. And Jim is just like sitting next to her trying to comfort her and there's just nothing you can do. She has to, A, be more emotionally fragile, which is her least favorite thing in the world, or B, she doesn't get alcohol back, which C, sucks because that is how she deals with everything. Oh, Manette <laughs> loves that. She's all about being vulnerable and fragile, and she's going to coax that right out of you. Mm, no. Be, be <laughs> vulnerable, all of us. Euonia appears a little while later. So I have made it a little easier this time and I will provide carriage service to the border woods for you. And then the caravan will come back so it does not go missing. <laughs> Rude. Been one of those mornings, Lady Eonia. Good morning. <laughs> My apologies. Yeah. Abraxas is being the polite one, guys. All right. You're right. I, you know what? You guys actually notice... I think Abraxas is standing a little taller because he surprised himself, like, talking to the council chamber. Like, everyone's quiet. He was the one that spoke up. So he's feeling, like, pretty good. Like, that's right. I got this. I got this. That reminds me, because I think he gave the most best performance last week, and as well as the council meeting, Abraxas gets a hero point. (gasps) Woo! Yes! Hero point. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys want to keep moving or do you want to chat more? Manette has been having strange dreams in which a scarab has been talking to her. And that is the symbol of her God. And she is concerned that not concerned, but more sort of excited that that's, that's a sign that she is heading in the right direction. And that means that she should come with you guys, but she's nervous that you might potentially reject her or, you know, that this is a big move for her to suddenly move on from her, like her caravan. These people that she's been taking care of for 16 years, literally half her life. She's only 32 years old. She's only been with them since she was a teenager. And so she's very nervous in like coming into this conversation about like, hey, you guys, what's your plan? What are we doing? You know? (laughs) So Abraxas, Odessa, Pippa, what is your plan for the future? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming after our talk with the council that you'll be moving on. Yes. I, I must stop this uh, foul winter from spreading to this land. What he said. Yeah, that also really want to get alcohol back. So <laughs> if I could two birds, one stone this, that would be great. And, uh, you know... As part of this, I would like to say, I think I could help you get in touch with your emotions more. I am very in touch with my emotions. (laughs) That sounds like something she could really use. (laughs) (laughs) She's like delusional, tired and upset. And she's like, (laughs) you said touch a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Wink. Losing her damn mind. With with Odessa not feeling well and all, uh, you know, extra pair of healing hands would 
come in handy. Healing hands, yes. Hands. Oh, well, for Braxton, it's like, woo. <laughs> Odessa's just laughing, and she's like, hey, you can put those hands anywhere. Uh, <laughs> oh, I just got that. Uh, he nudges Odessa's like, I just got that. <laughs> like, yeah, you're absolutely, uh, you were a real help back there, and I thought, I thought you were already coming. Oh, wow, okay, well, you caught on a lot quicker than I expected. I mean, really, I was going to ask if it was okay for me to join you, and, and this is oh, quite yeah, a big I just decision. I actually bought you some supplies. I think you're going to need uh, what? some of this <laughs> cold-weather gear. I mean, I've also packed cold-weather gear and, and a shovel and, and a few other necessities I think we will need out in the cold, as I've traveled to cold areas before myself, but I'm so overwhelmingly touched that you've already thought of me coming along and I, I graciously ask for your permission. Yeah, you're welcome. Welcome to join. Yes, we're lucky to have you. Group hug! <laughs> All right. <laughs> I preferred the formalities. <laughs> Manette, Manette actually grabs all of you in one big arm load and like picks you all up. Yeah, like, with my <laughs> big strong arms. Pippa is loving it. She actually needed someone to give her a good long squeeze. Like, I'm spinning y'all around. <laughs> and I put Pippa on my shoulders. <laughs> I just want to point out that if you're going to spend me, I just want to remind you I've been throwing up whole morning. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so well, sorry. That only <laughs> seems so to happen sorry, when you Odessa. take a sip of uh, the, which I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to have to confiscate that. <laughs> you take this away from me and I will Bite you. <laughs> you only it goes. <clears throat> oh yeah, the carrot. We're ready. Oh. <laughs> I had literally forgotten you were here. <laughs> she goes. Well, I never, and walks out the door. Oh, no. Isn't that how You're... we close the last session with her too? Oh. <laughs> wait, wait. I want to end it on different terms this time. Before we leave, Pippa's gonna actually give how much? Uh, let's see. Of of her own gold, she's probably gonna give about. Um, I think 400 of the gold marks Argentea gave her. To who? Okay. To Euonia. She has enough money to give to the poor efforts oh, okay. around okay. here. Because like, it's not like Pippa's had time to really scout out which charities are the ones. <laughs> oh, I would be donating to the church. That's what uh, Manette's whole deal whole is. thing is. Yeah. So Pippa gives it to the local church and the church will go, oh, I will steward this well. Uh, and the caravan is sitting there. Uh, you guys ready to go? I'm going to say my, I need to say my goodbyes to Alinda and Big Felix and all my Varisian pals. And I'm going to say, you know, I probably already talked to them and, and sort of just, you know, explain to them that there's the potential that I will be leaving you. And, um, you know, I, I talked to you earlier with uh, Pippa, who came with me and, and played that game with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I've chosen to move She's on and still. I hope you can forgive me and you know live on without me I'm sure you'll be okay you've always survived they all bid you adieu you know that is our way sometimes you come back sometimes you go you're always welcome um, and I'm crying and, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely <laughs> crying the whole time I'm like hugging everybody goodbye and giving them gifts so you guys all get in the wagon I believe we had previously discussed that Odessa had one piece of unfinished business before she left. Oh. Ah, uh, yes. What does Odessa need to do? So, after her rather, honestly, very traumatic experience she is going through right now, she's done some reflecting. She's going to take a stop to the market and just pick up 
some flowers, just like a nice bouquet and write on a little note card. And she's going to go to the blacksmith's door and leave them on the front porch and just knock and walk away. She's going to tell Xanthope just like, you're a great person. I love who you are. Sorry, I'm such a huge asshole. If it makes you feel any better, I'm a huge asshole to everyone. But you are an amazing person and you are wonderful and embrace through you and go tell everyone you're gay because it's great. (laughs) Something along those lines, probably not as well said. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So you leave that there and uh, you walk away probably about 15 minutes later because they were still sleeping when you knocked on the door so nobody heard it. You see this beautiful young girl open the door and she looks down and she picks up the flowers and she opens the card and you see this one little tear roll down her cheek uh, and she smiles and hugs the flowers and runs into the door um, all very happy-like. And you guys begin uh, your adventure back towards the border woods. It's pretty uneventful. The caravan drops you off and turns around. Somebody has come through and finally cleaned up the disaster area that was this initial carriage attack. And I'm going to say, for the most part, getting to the High Sentinel Lodge is uneventful. However, I do need all of you to roll a fortitude save. Okay. Except for Odessa, because she does Mm -hmm. not need to roll it now. Oh, with that Yeti coat? Yeah. That's pretty great. I need to find out how much it cost me to have it inlaid with pink. Well, just say you had that done while you were in town. Like, you found somebody to do it. Question, did Pippa also get the hideous orange curse removed from her badass chain shirt? Yes. Okay. (laughs) And I chipped in for that because, again, I felt guilty that Alinda was part of giving you that. So what did everybody get for their fortitudes? 17. Uh, 28. I hate you all. That's no fun. What the hell? 28? Oh, yeah. I rolled high and also have endurance. The What's feet. your bonus? Uh, let's see. Well, I have a plus four bonus on top of my plus five fort. Yeah, So endurance. you rolled a 19? I rolled a 19. Yeah, you do. So you guys get to the High Sentinel Lodge. The, the High Sentinel Lodge, however, has burned down. You guys are back at the Heisenau Lodge. A bridge made of rope and wooden planks spans a narrow ravine. It's already covered in ice and snow, and it sways alarmingly in the icy wind blowing through the gorge. The turbulent waters of a fast-moving creek surge through a couple of waterfalls below. Ooh, okay. Oh, um, let's see. Before we get any further, Abraxas will use the scroll from the loot of Endure Elements on Pippa. Boop, 24 hour protection from the elements. And I have it also memorized. So for Manette, also some protection from the elements. Thank you. Yeah, she would probably cast Shield of Faith on Pippa as soon as we started crossing. That Shield of Faith would really be appreciated because I think what Pippa's gonna wanna do is to kind of walk over at first checking for traps So here's the rules with crossing the bridge. Crossing an icy bridge under windy conditions carries considerable risk. If you wish to cross the bridge faster than five feet around, you must roll a reflex save DC 15 or fall into the creek below. As Odessa has experienced, falling into cold water is not a fun thing. So not only do you take falling damage, but you would also take 
cold damage. So keep that in mind. So who's going to venture onto the bridge first then? If Pippa tells me that she's doing it, I will let her do it. Yeah, that uh, she's usually the person who kind of checks her traps and is kind of scouting right. ahead. And she's small and that Teeny tiny and rickety. Roll me a perception check from the edge of the bridge because I think you could see any traps from the bridge. So that was an 18. There are no traps. You are confident there are no traps. Looks like it's all clear, guys. All right. Yay, it's just a thin ice skating rink with a fall to our death. It's yeah, my the... favorite. Yeah, that, that's I'm it. Literally, Don't worry about I'm it. I'm literally going <laughs> to crawl across because I'm scared of falling in a river with my full plate armor. No, half plate armor. Sorry. Yeah, no, Odessa did that last time and she fully intends on doing it again. All fours, weight dispersal, that whole thing. Yep. It didn't work last time and she is like still going to try. I will drown and die. <laughs> As you move across the bridge, in fact, when you get about halfway over... On all fours. Manette, why don't you roll me a perception check? Twelve. Everything looks fine. As you slowly begin to cross the icy and slippery bridge, you look up to see two glowing yellow eyes. Oh, crap. Mm. You blink once, you blink twice, and you see those yellow eyes connected to a blue hue blending in with the, the snow, forming into that of a small body. Its long pointed nose protrudes from its body and its leathery bat-like wings keep it aloft in the air. Hanging from its long rabbit-esque ears, you see icicles hanging low and white poofy mop of white hair. The little creature is watching you as it crosses. Its intent would be difficult to discern if not for the devious smile creeping across its darkened face. I would say roll for initiative, but we're gonna see you next week. Oh my God. But I want to fight the thing. (laughs) My initiative is 20. And you're going to take it. And we're going to fight. And I'm going to kill it right now. Nope. I killed it already. (laughs) The Fantastic Worlds podcast is a Fantastic Pods production. I would like to thank Amy Hankinson for writing our wonderful theme song. Thanks, Amy. Sirenscape for using their sound effects and music. Paizo for the wonderful Reign of Winter's Adventure Path. And all you listeners. Until next week, I'm Dustin Alexander. You can reach me on Twitter at Dustin Alexander. I'm Abby. You can reach me on Twitter at at Bonanza Famine. This is Angel. You could reach me at Twitter at Espinoza916. So that's E-S-P-I-N-O-Z-A 916. This is Kay, and you can reach me at She's Lady Macbeth. And this is Jessica. You can reach me at Hank the Clank, all one word on Twitter. (laughs) I love that name. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I hope you have many fantastic adventures.